0: The Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Friday. Special edition of Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Man, we have a superstar. We have a celebrity in the house. I wasn't, uh, man, we've, well, we got all those Pro Football Hall of Famers that come in. We've had RFK come in. We had John Stockton. But Kirk Cameron, people from my age, of my generation, man, do we know this guy. What an incredible actor. He was a part of a great show, great family show called Growing Pains. And now he is one of the uh, most authentic uh, evangelical Christians that takes on uh, and is involved in the culture war and has been for years. And uh, he's really been somewhat of a role model for myself in terms of you guys have listened to me on the show talk about the decisions I made to leave Los Angeles and to walk away from corporate television. And and you make that kind of decision and people start telling you, hey, this reminds me of this or so-and-so, or, do you know this person? And then you guys know uh, Dave Shannon, Chocolate Knox that comes on the show as a contributor on Fearless. He is very good friends with Kirk Cameron and he's been trying to connect Kirk Cameron and I for more than a year. Well, now Kirk Cameron's here in studio. Round of applause for Kirk Cameron. We,
1: we finally did it. High five. Yeah, we finally, we we finally, finally made, connected. I've yeah. been looking forward to this moment. Yeah,
0: really. yeah. So, so have I, because I, I really want you to unpack your story because I think it's a very important story and some, something I'm, I'll be fascinated in. I lived in Los Angeles mm-hmm. from 2010 to 2020 and worked for ESPN and Fox Sports and uh, had a lot of success, and, uh, but just realized in order for me to walk my Christian walk, and, and to say what I really wanted to say, I had to disconnect from corporate television and become more independent. And that's something uh, you decided a long time ago at a, at a young age. I decided it as a middle-aged or old man.
1: <laughs> well, you know, when you, when, when you get to be our age, and I'm not saying you're as old as I am, but you know. I'm older than you. You're older than, yes, get out yeah. of here. Mm-hmm. I'm okay, 56. Well, you know what, you, what's ha- you're, just, you're getting closer to your prime. <laughs> is what it is. You're like a fine wine. You're just getting better with age and uh, Every trip around the Sun. I just I'm just grateful. I, I I get to do this again
0: I'm just scared Kirk to be honest with you I'm just so scared like all the dumb things that I did I'm just trying to correct so that when I meet my maker I can say God look what I did the last 10 15 20 years Don't judge me
1: by all that. Yeah. silliness well, I'm, I'm encouraged by you. Um, my mom and dad told me about you. This is a couple of years ago, I think it was. And you got to meet this guy. You got, do you know this guy, Jason Whitlock? And um, they were like, I can't wait for you to meet him. I mean, he just says it like it is. He is so authentic, and I think this guy has a strong, solid faith in God. And uh, I thought, I, I want to meet him. And then our friend finally connected us. So thanks for having me on your show. Kurt, why are you in Nashville? Well, I love Middle Tennessee in general, and it is the autumn. So so God is repainting the leaves in all of the hills. It is gorgeous here, and I have two kids that live here. A third about to move here, so it's kind of a home base for me. And, uh, and, and the Jason Whitlock show uh, tapes here in Nashville, so <laughs> I, I'm excited to be here. Well,
0: we're, we're honored to have you, and so
1: maybe I'm sure a
0: lot of people in my audience already know your story, but to be honest with you, I don't know it in full detail. You know, I certainly watched Growing Pains and it, it's fun not to be, but it's like I remember Alan Thicke yep. more and maybe it's because his son became this soul singer, Robin or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I wasn't until Knock started telling me, I wasn't aware of what you did as a young person giving your life to Christ and then started making decisions that... On the outside, maybe cost you opportunities and money in Hollywood, but kept
1: you in line with your faith. Mm. Can you walk us through? Yeah, some sure. of the, Yeah. Sure. I, I'd be happy to. Um, my faith story blows me away too because I was an unlikely recipient um, of God's kindness and His in His mercy. I was an atheist for most of my life. I didn't go to church. Didn't grow up hearing about God. Uh, my dad's a, a school teacher. Um, we, we talked about everything but God at Christmas time. I had no idea why people had that little baby in that little manger with hay and the wise men What did what they do? really you didn 't know did not, we never talked about it. It was just it was this Santa is growing Day. up in California los in, Angeles in Where? Los Angeles, California, every Sunday morning, uh, I guess people went to church i, I don 't know why adults believed in fairy tales, but at that time, uh, we just went to the beach on Sunday mornings and went surfing body surfing so I had no interest in, in, in faith in God, but I had a lot of interest in this pretty girl that was on the set of Growing Pains. She invited me to meet her family one weekend and gave me the address for me to drive to. And when I showed up, it was at a church parking lot. So I went into church as an atheist with my baseball cap and some glasses on, trying not to be recognized because I was the star of Growing Pains at about 17 years old. And I heard this message from this preacher about the creator of the universe and how he made the cosmos and he made every every piece of your DNA and he's holy and his character is pure. And he talked about rebellion and sin in the garden with the serpent and the need for redemption and his law and the day of judgment and heaven and hell and the cross and the resurrection. And Jason, I had no idea what he was talking about. And when I left the church, I asked this girl's dad because uh, he, he was trying to, he was trying to like, you know, get me to, uh, to believe. And I was asking him questions. How could you believe things like this? You know, a virgin giving birth, a man rising from the dead, an old book. And he answered a lot of questions and then finally encouraged me to pray to God myself. Well, as an atheist, I didn't know how, but I remember sitting in my sports car, parked on the side of the road, thinking about the fact that one day I would die. And if I found out that there was a heaven, I knew I wouldn't be going. Um, and so I thought I, I I had nothing to lose by at least asking. So I closed my eyes and I just said, God, if you're there, I want to know. Would you please uh, say something or show me the way? Uh, make me the person that you created me to be. And I didn't have any ethereal experience of a vision or, or 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 you know feel the Holy Spirit come in through the air conditioning vents. But I had the sense that maybe I was onto something important and i told a friend he gave me a bible i started going to church and as i believe god worked on me he opened my eyes and brought me to a place where i recognize that the cosmos the universe the the construction of the human body and everything that is commonplace in the world is nothing short of a miracle the fact that we're having this conversation right now it defies uh, what we could possibly comprehend uh and I decided that I wanted to follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and that was the beginning of my faith journey. And and I can honestly say that of all the things that have ever happened to me, um, there's nothing more important, there's nothing more significant, and nothing for which I'm more grateful than God being so kind to open my eyes and save me out of my atheism.
0: Were you, at that time, you're, you're 17, you're the star of a television show, you're making good money, you're yep. popular.
1: Did you feel lost or empty? Because it, it- I didn't you... really feel lost or empty because um, I had all these friends sitting there in, in the audience every single week. People were asking me for my autograph, my bank account was full. Um, so I don't think I felt lost or empty, but there were questions I couldn't answer, like, is this all there is? Fame, money, popularity, success? Um, what happens when you die? Uh, how did we get here in the first place? I mean, if, if, if you had said to me, hey Kirk, um, you see this laptop, what are the chances that there, there was no designer, that this just all fell together as glass, plastic, and metal over a billion years with no result in mind? It just happened. I would say, you know, you've had a lobotomy, something's wrong, no one will believe that. And yet the human brain, or just my ears, have more of a complex design that point to purpose than this laptop computer does. So h- how is it that I could have so much faith that nothing times nobody equaled everything as an atheist and, and not just come to the simple conclusion that um, information has a programmer, that design has a designer. And once I began to go down that road, life began to really make sense.
0: So. To me, what I hear is that you were a naturally curious
1: person. Very curious. I like to learn. Maybe it's because my dad was a public school teacher, but I like to understand why things are the way they are and how they work. And
0: so that curiosity, I tell people all the time, if you have any curiosity at all and you have any real interest in truth, it's going to eventually lead you to God. That I think so too. And And so... For for me, having been raised in the church and, and then going off into the world and going off to college and then going off into a successful career, I, I certainly lost my way, but I've always had an interest in truth. As a journalist, it was truth, 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 and the more I kept looking for truth, I was like, oh, man. this is my, I had this grandmother, Mama Lovey, that brought me to church and, was my, and I was like, Oh, this is what Mama Lovey was talking about. Yeah. I, I kept running into instances where I go, oh, this is what they were telling me in church. And then eventually after, you know, just figuring out like, man, this money and uh, a cute girl, it's, there's got to be more than this. And that's what compelled me to like really start taking my and I went through some struggles in 2013 you know ESPN and the whole leftist movement did an incredible smear campaign on me Mm. and that's what really hammered like oh man
1: you're not gonna survive without Jesus and and Jason if if I could just say um, I've got this wise old owl in my life you know everybody needs a Gandalf everybody needs a mr. Miyagi uh, a, a somebody and 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 he's helped me to remember that that smear campaign that happened to you, that was all part of God's loving and wise plan for your life, because I know what it did. It developed character in you. It developed more courage and more authenticity and convictions for you to be who God made you to be at this moment to accomplish what his plans are for you that I bet you wouldn't have had if it weren't for the smear campaign. And he knew it, it was coming Ever since you were in your mother's womb, uh, yes, and
0: I needed it because I needed the humility and and I needed to quit serving myself mm. in in every way. L- look at my stomach. that's for me serving myself. That's for me being in a disobedience to God and you know my sexual lust and all, all these different it was all about serving me. And uh, getting humbled in that way made me realize no, I got to serve him. That's my only protection or this rigged up smear campaign is is going to have some do some real damage to me. And so and I, I just figured out like my only protection is God. And so I just started serving him and, and it's been awesome. But I, I you know, I'd ser- certainly turned down some money, but. Do you feel like, and it seems, I've read some stuff on you this morning, do you feel like you sacrificed anything by choosing the path you did? I mean, you could have, you're a trem- tremendous actor. Y- you could have been at the top of the Hollywood acting machine and, you know, maybe making 20, 30 million a movie or whatever or, who knows, for doing a TV show.
1: <laughs> did you feel like you sacrificed anything? Yeah. You know, I don't think I'm that good. 20, 30 million, I mean, that, that, that's to you know, that's Leonardo DiCaprio level. But um, no, so I don't know what he makes, actually. Um, he started out on Growing Pains, though. A lot of people don't know that. He started out on Growing Pains as that. my little brother on the show. We adopted him into our family. He was a little homeless kid we found in the janitor's closet. And we brought him into our house. Anyway, that's, an, that's another whole story. Um, no, I don't feel like I missed out on anything. Are you kidding? Um, Jason, it's just like what you said. It, it, we have so much in common, even though we, we never met each other. But I know what happened to you because the same kindness of God that righted you at those right moments, at those moments where you were going wrong, righted me when I was going wrong. So, where I don't even want to think where I would be if I had been left going down the road that I was. Uh, all the things that you talked about are, are common to all of us. Um, we're looking for a sense of identity, of purpose, of value, of importance. Uh, I, I want to accomplish great things and people to remember me. I want to I just milk uh, this, this cow of life uh, for every drop of, 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 of milk that I can get out of it. All the pleasure, all the comfort, all the riches. And then you realize that that's all upside down. And true joy and true peace and true value comes from realizing that God made you to know him and to love him, and he values you for who you are, not based off of your performance, not based off your social status or your bank account. And he demonstrated that through this self-sacrificing love. And if, and if, and if I connect to that, now I understand who I am, why I'm here, and now, i can begin to love other people that brings me the treasure of the of the world so so what i value is not just when i get to heaven uh you know pie in the sky i've got steak on the plate right now because i can work together with you to amplify light and bring good into an evil world um i've I've got a relationship with my wife now 32 years and it's getting better. I've got six children uh, who don't hate me. Uh, They still like to hang out with me. And I think, man, this this is the gift that many actors, celebrities, rich entrepreneurs would kill for and give up all their money to achieve a wife who loves them for who they really are, children that still love to come home and visit them. And a sense that when they go to sleep at night and put their head on the pillow, that they have have clean hands and a pure heart before God. And most people don't have that. And it requires you getting on your knees and saying, this is about you, not about me. What do you want me to do? And so I feel like I won the lottery. I don't feel like I missed out. Tired of someone else telling you where to go when
0: you have a medical need? Are you ready to take control of your healthcare? Samaritan Ministries could be the solution you're looking for. They connect hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation who come together through prayer, encouragement, and financial support when a medical need arises. It's not insurance and you're not limited to restrictive networks. Say you have a medical need. You don't have to check and see what hospital is in your network or be concerned about the doctor being in network too. No, you go to the hospital, you choose, And don't give a second thought as to what's in network and what's not, because with Samaritan Ministries, you're in control of your health care. Afterwards, fellow members pray for you and send money directly to you to help you pay your medical bills. And when they have a medical need, you'll do the same for them. That's what biblical health care sharing looks like. Check it out today at SamaritanMinistries.org slash fearless. So, You grow up atheist, and so I would imagine your mom and dad were atheists as
1: well. Uh, You know, it's interesting. I I think my dad and his parents, being educators um, and, and school teachers, they just... For whatever reason, they weren't religious. My mom, as a little girl, used to go to Sunday school, and she raised her hand to ask Jesus into her heart when she was little, but it never really matured beyond that. So when when I started going to church, she was so excited. In fact, my parents were separated at the time, and she had moved out of the house. And when I started going to church, my dad started going to church, and taking the kids to church, thinking it might help him with his depression over my mom leaving. And when she found out that the whole family was finally going to church without her, she said, uh, uh, no way. I've always wanted us to go to church, but you didn't want to, so I'm coming with you. And that actually brought my parents back together, healed their marriage, and uh, we went to church as a family. So that, that was an awesome thing.
0: So, and, and I, you, you have a sister that was on Full House. That's right. And I would, she grew up like you. Did your move into Christianity? Did she follow your lead, or was
1: she already was she already doing that as well? It, I've asked Candace this question, and, and I think she would tell you that uh, she wasn't just following in her big brother's footsteps, but she saw a movie that I did called Left Behind, about all, you know uh, about the about the, the the return of Christ or the is this rapture. the original one. The original one, so yeah. This is
0: 1994.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, somewhere around there. And, uh, th- there's this terrifying scene of a pastor, a minister in a church who has his whole congregation disappear and he's still left standing here. He missed out because he was an imposter. He was a hypocrite. Uh, ex- externally, he was religious internally. He was a pagan. And she, she thought to herself, man, I wonder if that would happen to me. And, uh, she got reading some good books and, and came to that place of saying, I want to make sure that, uh that my relationship with God is authentic. And I think that's when it all kind of came together for her.
0: You know, that, that's one of the things I'm learning, and most of my family, Christians, and uh, further along in their journey than I was previously. But, but I have seen in family and friends, they've been blown away by my walk and my pivot. I was a guy, I'm telling you know, Vegas and Strip Club. All the things. All the, you know, all that stuff. And, and people, my friends, I, I, you know, my, not to out-eat my friends, but it's like I was the guy that if someone got married, Whitlock's got to throw our bachelor party. He's got to. It's incredible. And now they see me now, and they're, they're, they're so happy for me. And I've had an influence on them as well. It sparked conversations in them that we used to not have. And so, you know, your step towards God, you know, you can bring other people along with you or spark something in them. People have so many fake conversations, mm-hmm. and then once you get vulnerable, it invites other people to be yeah. vulnerable and tell you what they're really thinking, and and you can have a tremendous impact on people. And, and that's why I'm so uh, happy with what you're doing is, you know, out in Hollywood, and so. Walk me through this, because now I move out to L.A. in 2010 to get further involved with Fox Sports and then ESPN and further along in television. Do do you think, go back to your heyday in the Mm -hmm. mid 80s, -80s. late 80s. Yeah, Was Hollywood
1: secretly demonic then and we just didn't know it? Mm. If it was, I didn't know it. Yeah. And I was only 17 years old when I was really in the heyday of, of, the, of the 1980s and Growing Pain success. And I was surrounded by a good group of people, Alan Thicke, Joanna Kearns, the crew. Uh, they, they really protected us like their own kids. So I think I was protected from a lot of that and also by my own parents. Um, but yeah, I think. I think you go back. There were no executives trying to do anything creepy with you, or not with me personally. But I know that there were parties and all kinds of things that went on. There were some some of my peers at the time went to a lot of these parties, and uh, Cor- I don't know if these names: Corey Feldman, Corey Haim, um, Alyssa Milano, and and others. There were a lot of these parties for teenage kids. Well, now you're hearing stories about what was going on at those parties. Most of them I never went to, and. It, funny, it was because at that time, that's when I was, was, was interested in this faith stuff. And I was with this girl who took me to church. And so we were doing other things like Bible studies. I was singing Kumbaya around a campfire while, you know, someone's grooming children over here. But I wasn't really in the midst of all of that. Uh, but I think as with all things depraved and wicked, uh, it 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 matures and it grows roots and it gets bigger and it gets nastier, and I think now we're beginning to really understand j- just how 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 wicked it, it can be. It probably was going on when I was there. I just wasn't exposed to it. And so now
0: it uh, not to repeat what you just said, but I want you to elaborate. It does feel like out of the closet. Hey, we're here to promote uh, the devil and. We're going to shove sexual stuff down your kids' throats through cartoons, through commercials. We're going to make you, because my my brother's got kids. And and I used to always say to him, I'd watch shows and I'd like, oh my God, now my brother's got to talk to his kids about this. It it, it seems like it's now just totally out of the closet that...
1: Yeah, hey, we're here on some uh, wickedness. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's right. Where my mind always goes is why? Why? Who would do that to kids? What, what's the agenda? What's the end game? Why, why are they doing this? They certainly have got to know that, look, if you want to go to some some stripper club or some drag queen thing, you want to do that as an adult, fine, but why would you go after the kids? You know that's not good for their little impressionable minds. Um, so th- that's another conversation if, if, if we want to talk about that, but I've I've been kind of on the... Uh, Right in the ring with some of that stuff as I've been uh, Going to public libraries that have held drag queen story hours for children Reading inappropriate material to them and even exposing themselves to children And then when I try to read a children's book about love joy Kindness and self-control those libraries have shut me down and said no our values don't align with yours Um, We're not interested in your messaging And, and they make me look like I'm the guy who's trying to, uh, infuse their children and community with bad values. So, what has happened? Evil has become good in their eyes, and good has become evil to them. And this is the telltale sign that we are headed for a fall and a giant crash if we don't reverse course. Um, And... You wonder, why would anybody do this to their own children, their own country, their own What's your answer? Well, I think there's people who profit off of the, the, the racism industry, off of the poverty industry, off of the abortion industry, and off of destroying the family and the church which will effectively take down Western civilization and liberty to allow other groups of people who want to um, essentially just have ultimate control over other people.
0: Let me, and I should have asked you this before the show, because I I don't know what your comfort level is, but I want to take you down a path where, because I don't care, but you may... They'll call me a conspiracy theorist for okay. the things that I believe, and you can tell me it this. Just gets too sketchy. I know where the door is. Okay. I can run out of here. So you know, okay. I I I sit around and wonder. Like it seems like Freemasonry is in control, and uh, Freemasons believe in God, uh, or or and and let's. I'll take the Masons out of it, but although I that's what I believe, but but the, there are people that worship the devil, they fully believe in God, but they believe the path to success is, is through the devil and the, the path of the ultimate pleasure and being who you think you are and all that. And, and it's all the stuff that I reject and have figured out like, no, 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 no. God has a plan for me. It's not about me. It's yeah. not do what thou wilt not Alistair Crowley, but there are people that believe that, and that when I look at the Hollywood industry and I look at the music industry and all of it, that, that's what I see is like a group of satanic people that, you know, and again, that I believe are involved in Freemasonry that uh, are just promoting individual human beings as their own God. And when I, when I look at people saying, you know, now nah, I feel like a woman, I'm gonna have surgery. That that's you. I'm I know better than God. Like, you know, God gave me a bat and balls, but I'm gonna cut it off. And I'm gonna. Be, that's you're being your own God. And yeah. that's w- w- what I see is like th- this whole worship of man. Idolatry is just out of control. Our own idolatry is out of control, and it's the ultimate sin. Idol it. its at the root of every sin, and uh, that—that's what I just see—a godlike complex. People that believe in God, but believe now, nah, Satan, and my own self—I'm smarter than God.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I love this. You—you're you're, you're like a pinball machine. You're just going all <laughs> over these different Freemasonry and God, and we're talking about bats and balls and sports, and I'm thinking, wow. So, well. So, this is the kind of stuff me and Chuck Knox talk I about. I like it. I like it. And he's got a majestic beard, too. You yes, know, you need does. to grow one of those, because I think it'll look great on Can you. Cannot do it. <laughs> so, well, f- number one thing I would say, if anybody's watching this, what camera is people looking at me at? Probably this one right yeah. here. Um, if you're involved in Freemasonry, um, Um, You're not free, you're actually in bondage. There's no freedom in false systems. And Freemasons actually are not in charge. They're not in control. Um, God is in control, and he can use Freemasons or any false system as a dog on a leash to bark and bite and nip at the heels of, of, uh, of his own children to get them to go where he wants them to go. So when I think about the book of Job, Boy, it sure looked like to, to Job and all his friends that um, Satan was in charge. But really, God had him on a leash, and he said, Here, you, you can take away his health, you can take away his home and his riches and his family, uh, but no more, you can't do anything other than that. And uh, sure enough, in the end, uh, we, we could see that no, no one is in control but God, he's sovereign. So I think that, um, you know, my, my grandfather was a Freemason, and uh, he had his rabbit's foot and his apron, and he was buried with all that stuff. But if I had a real conversation with him, and I did, it was not the kind of masonry that we're seeing today with a lot of this demonic stuff and all of that. To him, it was a bunch of guys who got together, and they put their hand on the Bible, and they wanted to do good things in their community uh, as contractors and masons and other sort of guys that work with their hands. Uh, and, and as a lot of things... Organizations can get hijacked and uh, infiltrated uh, just like the Republican Party, just like the Democratic Party. Uh, It's not our grandparents' party anymore. Uh, America has has been infested with termites from uh, other neighborhoods of Marxism and socialism and all that stuff. And that free constitutional republic that is our foundation and framework uh, has been compromised. So at the end of the day, I I would say that... um, we don't need to fear the devil, because uh, he may roar, he may prowl around, but, but I know that his, he was dealt the death blow at the cross. His head has been crushed and he's slinking off to the lake of fire. And uh, I don't fear the devil. I'm not afraid of losing the country. I'm not afraid of losing the culture. I know that the gospel has victory written all over it. And times of revival, have always come historically during times of moral collapse, spiritual decline, political corruption, about every 50 years. I think we're due for another one. And I think guys like you who are speaking the truth in love, authentically, are raising up a whole new generation in God's loving army of compassion. And they're beginning to speak up, stand up, and... I feel the rumblings of revival. All the places that I go, people are getting it. Their eyes are opening. We've been talking to you
0: about big tech censorship and telling you about a major step Blaze Media is taking to declare independence from big tech and ensure we keep bringing you the truth no matter what. Well, if you go to Blaze Media's website, theblaze.com, right now, you will see it's been totally overhauled. You'll see news articles, opinion, analysis, lifestyle, and tech commentary. But what you will not see are those obnoxious, annoying ads that are on virtually every other website. Here's why. This is such a big deal. Most people don't realize that by having those ads on our website, Google was able to send bots to scour any content they deemed unsafe for advertisers. After finding something they didn't like, they demand we remove the ads from the article or else have our entire website demonetized. We dealt with this for a long time, time and time again. And here's the worst part. After forcing us to remove ads from problematic articles, Google buried those articles so deep in the search results that they became nearly impossible to find. Google was essentially using its ad revenue as a cudgel to either force us to toe the leftist line or bury the unsafe content so no one could find it. That's why we're walking away from ads on our website. The decision to go ad-free will cost us millions, and we did not make it lightly. We didn't make this decision lightly, not at all. None of this is possible without you, and we're counting on you to make sure we can continue to bring you unfiltered truth. We're taking a gamble by investing in more quality content, including expert analysis, insightful commentary, and authentic investigative reporting. Visit TheBlaze.com, explore the all-new ad-free experience, and see for yourself how we're standing up against suppression and prioritizing independent journalism that speaks for you. Go to TheBlaze.com, become a subscriber. It's only $3 a month. Help us fight back in this information war. I hope you're right. That's what I want to be a part of that. And, and, and you know, you sound just like Dave Shannon, Chuck Knox, and, and other people I've surrounded we myself. We drink the same whiskey.
1: Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Well,
0: and, but you guys are more optimistic than I am. I, and, and I'm 56. Dave is probably early Shannon? 40s. Yeah, yeah he's, he's Sh- a young pup. He's early 40s. And, and so I'm just so blown away at like how did we get here?
1: Yeah, because
0: yeah. my childhood was so optimistic. I'm born in 1967, 1 year before MLK is assassinated, and I was a part of a generation that uh was like, "Oh man, we're going to do some great things and we're yeah. going to be all this racial healing and all this opportunity and 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 I, I can, my high school um we had a very successful uh, football team that nationally ranked, and it was racially integrated, and and so we had so much optimism in our generation. And now I look at all the division, and I yeah. look at like man, they're having black graduation ceremonies and segregated this, and and they're calling yeah. this progress. It just blows my mind. Yeah, and it yeah. it it. it yeah, It causes cynicism to creep
1: in, and I'm always having to fight it. Yeah, it's like the car's in reverse. We're going backwards, guys, what's going on? But here's what I believe is true with all of my heart. The reason we can have optimism about America and this culture is because God's already demonstrated to you, Jason, how he does this kind of thing. He did it in your own life. You just told me. I just heard your story. You grew up in this time of optimism before MLK, and things are getting better. You had Grandma, grandma Love, Lovey. What's her name? Mama Lovey. Mama Lovey. She was taking you to church. You had a, a promising start. And then what happened? Y- y- you got full of yourself in your, in your own words to where you were going down a road, and the car was in reverse, you were going backwards toward sex, drugs, money, all the kind of things that eventually led you to a place where you're like, man, what am I, what am I doing? I, I, I can't, I, now my eyes are opening up and I say, I got to go a different way. And you turned to God. I think a nation can do the same thing. We started out as a shining light on a hill, a beacon of liberty to the world. And now we've gotten away from the principles we grew up with when we were young as a nation. And every time we stray away from those things, we've got civil wars, we've had racism, we've had economic disaster, we've had foreign affair problems. But this may be the very thing that opens the eyes of a nation to say, I gotta go a different direction. It's happened before in two great awakenings. I think we're ready for a third. That's how it can happen and it all depends on whether or not we're willing to come to our senses.
0: It's amazing to hear you say that living in California with Gavin Newsom and just all the policies there. there. There's a discussion about abortion up until birth, maybe even after birth. It's amazing to hear, but, but maybe in all that depravity in California,
1: it yeah. we're, makes we're, you see, understand the necessariness of God. That's right. We've, we've hit rock bottom in California. There's only yeah. on, only one way to go and that's up. And I think when, when you see this, I don't know, my, my, I think it's your mindset. It's, 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 it's how you think about the world. And if you have stinking thinking, as my pastor likes to call it, um, you could have the best opportunities in the world and you'll ruin them. Um, you could also have the right mindset and be given the worst circumstances and you will rise and you will flourish. Think of Daniel in the lion's den. Think of Joseph being abandoned by his brothers, thrown in a pit, sold as a slave. He winds up in prison, and then he becomes the guy that saves the world, second in command in Egypt. Why, the way he thought about it, and it's specifically the way he thought about God. My daughter has a little, she's, she's a poet uh, herself, and she has a piece of poetry uh, written on a paper, taped to her wall, and it says like, uh, it, she said, the same son in the sky, the same sun that hardens clay melts wax. It all depends on what you're made of. The same sun that hardens clay melts wax because it depends on what you're made of. And so you could be in California and you can be all about goodness, righteousness, loving the Constitution and fearing God if you're made of the right stuff. And you could be in the Bible Belt right here in Nashville And you could just be a a, a drunk, you know, horrible, wicked person. It all depends on what you're made of. And I think we start out being made of the the same stuff and that's selfishness and pride. And then God can change that when you turn your heart to him in faith.
0: What's your plans? What's your next big
1: adventure? I know you've written a book, you're writing books, you just written another book. Well, this is a bucket item list right here being on the Jason Whitlock Show. My parents <laughs> are gonna be more excited about this <laughs> than anybody. Uh, but I- I'm sorry, I-, I cut you off.
0: No, I was. At, what's, what's the next big thing you're gonna be driving or in- initiative?
1: I never know what's right around the corner, but uh, I just wrote a children's book called The Fox, The Fair, and The Invention Scare. And it's all about loving your enemies. And this is the third kids' book that I wrote. The first one was about uh, the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, kindness. The second one was called Pride Comes Before the Fall, about humility. And we released that during Pride Month. Uh, and we've had so much pushback. We've had so many people try to stop us from bringing wholesome values into public libraries that I had to come out with a third book about loving your enemies. And uh, with all the war going on in the world, with the Middle East on fire, Ukraine and Russia on fire, United States politics having a cutthroat mentality, our kids are watching this. Your nieces and nephews are watching this. What are they going to inherit if we don't give them a new strategy besides kill them before they kill you? And so I wrote this book, and um, it it was inspired by... A story that blew me away, if I could just take a minute and share this story. I was in Washington, D.C. and we were at a Restore America rally. There was an older couple that came up to the microphone and explained their gut-wrenching story of how their son was murdered by a gang member in an inner city and how it was their strong faith in God and in his goodness that kept them going. Then they introduced a 25-year-old man came up to the podium and explained when he was young, he got into a gang, committed a violent crime, was thrown into prison, and during visiting hours one day, he was visited by that couple that just introduced him, and they explained to him that they were the parents of the young man he had murdered. And they came to tell him that they did not hate him, that they had been praying for him, that they even have found love in their heart for him, and that there was an opportunity for a new beginning through faith and forgiveness. And when that young man got out of prison, they legally adopted him as their son, and he was there with their same last name in their family, explaining to us that the power is in forgiveness and in loving your enemies. That's not natural. Who does that? I mean, it's hard to believe that that's an even true story, but it is. And so if we can communicate to children what Jesus said, which is, You've heard others say, Love your enemy, I'm sorry, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, Love your enemy, do good to those who hate you, and you'll be like your Father in heaven, who causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and the rain to water the crops of the righteous and the unrighteous. Be perfect in love, like your Father in heaven is perfect, and it changes everything. That's what my book's about.
0: So, it sounds amazing the story you told is definitely amazing there's the whole loving your enemies thing what what do you say to the cuz what do you say the lgbtq and the people that say hey the way to love them is to be more accepting yeah and and you know i reject that and yeah. and most people, I think the way to help anybody to help me with my weight problem is to tell me the truth. Hey, you got a weight problem. You shouldn't eat that. Uh, and and to tell the, no, no, no. That's not what God wants for you. That's not what your body's designed for. But people see that as not being loving. You know, remember, Kirk, love is love now. And, and so if you love a dog, if you love a mouse, whatever, it's all the same.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Right? Um, so you're, I believe, I'm with you. Uh, I share the view that love, if it's not married to the truth, is not love. This is, that's just deception. You're just, you're just making somebody comfortable as they destroy themselves. So that's why the Bible always says, speak the truth in love. So again, over and over and over, the the scriptures are the best lens through which to to view all of life. Um, It's funny, Target's having this problem right now. I'm sorry, not Target. Well, they've had their problems too, as well as Bud Light and others, but now it's Scholastic Books. And uh, I know this because I'm in the book business here. And there are are books that have very inappropriate, sexually explicit, pornographic material being put on the front shelves uh, for children to read and people have in the community have said hey, we don't play like that We, we want those things and so they say, okay, we'll move them to a special section that sort of behind a, a wall of wisdom and only Adults go there. Well now the left gets crazy at them for Compromising with the conservatives and the traditionalists So now they want to move it back to the front shelves so that they don't get hammered by their own crew and so, you see, when you compromise what's true and what's right, you're always gonna find yourself stuck between a rock and a hard place. So, what's the best thing to do? Man, God gave you a conscience, and it, it lines up with nature, it lines up with the Bible, and when you follow that, things go well. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's gonna agree with you, but that's why you need to be strong. That's why you need to be, that's why you need to be part of the fearless army. I've- but you gotta do it in love which means speaking the truth because you care about people more than agendas.
0: You've got six kids, did, did y'all homeschool? Did you
1: send them to public school? We, we did a little of everything. We started out with our six children who were all one year apart, by the way. So we had six kids under seven. So my, my wife is an angel, she is, she is amazing. Uh, we started out going to a, a great little private school. We didn't like the options available after that And we thought home education was just for crazy people, Uh, people who didn't care about educating their kids. You know, keep them at home, you know, barefoot and uh, never, never learning anything about science. Uh, That couldn't be further from the truth. Once we realized that you have a far better education, uh, basically doing almost anything than than public education right now. we started to home educate our kids, it was wonderful. Some of them went back to a private school for sports, for some of the opportunities that these schools had. Others graduated in the home education network that we were a part of. And we found that we were always connected with our kids relationally. We didn't have to worry about them learning sex moves at the, uh, in the third grade or coming home uh, you know, a different gender because we were there with them and, and I think Again, we, we've got to understand that, that Dewey and Horace Mann and others in the public education system are Marxists who are looking to oust God and oust the family in order to turn your children into obedient little statist lemmings for the purposes of creating a different type of a, of a society and a country. God gave your kids to you, plain and simple. He didn't give them to the government. So don't give that sacred opportunity and duty away to other people who just want to use them uh, find the best system that works for you you got one shot at parenting don't blow it did your kids go to college uh, so uh, one of my kids are uh, he's going to college at, here in middle Tennessee others have uh, gotten jobs at organizations where they're doing things we're so proud of them some of my kids uh, got scholarships to go to colleges but decided they didn't want to waste four years of their life in an institution and rather travel and learn languages and experience cultures and uh, write poetry. So our kids are so different. Four of them are adopted, uh, two natural born. We actually adopted our first four kids, then had two kids after that. And so we've got this wonderful uh, symphony of talents and Strengths and character qualities and um, what ages when you adopted them? They were they were all only months old, so they were babies. And we've got three boys, three girls, and uh, man, it's just it's it's a it's a beautiful picture of what diversity can look like in a family. We got black, white, Hispanic boys, girls, and yet what brings us together is. Living authentically and loving one another, and all those differences just make it better—not not worse. They make it better. It doesn't—it doesn't it didn't bring division. It brings—it brings dimension to what love can really look like.
0: Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that maybe I haven't
1: asked you about, <laughs> Kirk? Well, um, I, I'm just—I'm excited to meet you. I've already told you that though. My parents are excited that I'm meeting you. I've told you that. (laughs) And lastly, uh, I I think I would like to give people something that they could be a part of if they're saying, I'm watching the world go to hell. My country is on fire. What can I do at least to invest in the next generation? Here's something, Um, support what Brave Books is trying to do by writing children's stories with a pro-God, pro-America value. And they've got dozens of them. I've I've written a few, and you can get my book for free if you go to bravebooks.com and just sign up for their Book of the Month Club for your grandkids or for your kids. And a new book comes every month to their front door, and it's an investment in not only their faith and morality, it's an investment in the future of America because in 30 years, they're going to be running the place. Bravebooks.com. Kirk, thank you so much uh,
0: for visiting with us. Really appreciate it. Now that I know you come back here all the time, you got to give me your number. We can go out to dinner at some point. Uh, Love to hear some more of your story. Uh, That's Kirk Cameron. Uh, This is your uh, Friday edition of Fearless. Uh, Have a great weekend. We'll play tomorrow, and we'll see you next week.
1: Yeah, feelin' like a off nothing in life like freedom. Came in like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom.
0: No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, i breaking my
1: back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving, all deceiving, we all wanna be free, we want freedom I just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna
0: be, I just want, I wanna be, I just want